0: Love, Hope, Radio. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Cy Brown. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a very special show. Today we are talking about Alzheimer's disease and issues with memory loss. Um, We're just really going to um, take an in-depth look at what's going on? we're going to talk about the alzheimer's disease Cooperative Study. I mean, just a lot about this topic, and I'm so pleased we have an amazing guest um, that is just a leading expert in this industry and let me tell you, um, I'm, I have tons of questions about dementia, alzheimer 's, and you know so this is the time if you have any questions, the chat room I'm actually opening up the chat room right now, so if you have any alzheimer 's questions. Please feel free to hit me up in the chat room, or if you um, have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 347 633 9113. 347 633 9113. You're listening to CyBrown Live, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, weekdays, Monday through Friday, and anytime on the web at cybrownlive.com. And right now, I'll bring in our guest, Dr. Michael Raffi. Um, Dr. Michael, how are you today?
1: Pretty good, thank you. How are you?
0: I am well. I'm very excited to have you on the show today. I have tons and tons, tons and tons of questions uh, to really help my listeners understand um, just about what goes on with memory loss and how it affects the brain, how they can maneuver through situations as it affects uh, their families. My my first que- Well, before we even get started, I'd really love for you to just introduce yourself to everybody.
1: Sure. Uh, I am a neurologist. I'm a director of the Memory Disorders Clinic at the University of California at San Diego. I'm also an uh, assistant professor of neurosciences at the medical school and associate medical director of a program called the Alzheimer's Disease Cooperative Study.
0: Nice. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for that. Before we even really get into um, the study, can you tell my listening audience what is Alzheimer's?
1: Sure, Um, Alzheimer's is a neurological disease. It's a progressive uh, neurodegenerative disease that is the most common cause of dementia. Dementia is really a breakdown in thinking. It can include memory loss, trouble with language, calculation, changes in personality, and Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause. It, mm-hmm. it is uh, three-quarters of all cases of dementia are thought due to be due to Alzheimer's disease.
0: Mm. The,
1: thinking, the thinking about Alzheimer's is that it's due to the buildup of an abnormal protein in the brain called amyloid. Mm-hmm. And this amyloid is thought to be toxic to brain cells. And as it causes the brain cells to become injured, and die, it leads to the syndrome of dementia. Um, We think that there are three phases to Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. There is the stage of dementia where the patient is unable to take care of themselves or forgetful, unable to carry out the normal functions of life. Then there's another phase called the mild cognitive impairment phase. And this is the phase where the patient has some forgetfulness. Uh, they're still able to do most of the things that they need to do, but their forgetfulness is more than would be expected for their age. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's a third stage, and this is probably the most um, exciting part of the research that's being done now in the field, and this is the prodromal or the asymptomatic phase. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the phase where the person actually doesn't have any symptoms of dementia, but the the amyloid is building up in the brain and is starting to cause trouble. Um, a, a very good analogy is to think of heart disease, uh, and uh, you can imagine someone who has a heart attack or stroke. The the process that led up to that actually probably started 20 years earlier with really? atherosclerosis and and high cholesterol levels and so on. So in the in the field of heart disease. One of the things that we're able to do now is measure cholesterol levels and predict if someone has a higher risk of getting a heart attack or having a stroke. And the same thing is now happening in Alzheimer's disease. We're looking for a marker, the LDL, if you will, Mm -hmm. to try to predict who is going to go on and develop Alzheimer's disease, even if they have very minimal symptoms.
0: Well, how would you find, so the marker that you're, is it being tested or is it, um, and please forgive me, so I, I'm just trying to really, really get this. So the marker that you're, is it, uh, is it in the research phase right now?
1: Well, that that's right. It is in the research phase and uh, uh, about uh, six years ago. A study was started called the Alzheimer's Disease Neuroimaging Initiative. Uh And the idea was, let's try to find out if we can find a marker. Let's just follow 800 individuals Uh who are within the age of of perhaps getting Alzheimer's and just follow them, and every few months take a picture of their brain with an Uh MRI Uh, look at a PET scan, which looks at the functioning of the brain, measure markers in their blood and in their cerebrospinal fluid, Mm -hmm. and administer very thorough, comprehensive uh, neuropsychological tests Mm -hmm. and see which of those markers, the MRI, the PET scan, measures in their cerebrospinal fluid or maybe even in their blood, which one of those is predictive of them going on to develop Alzheimer's disease. Uh, So this study, it's called... ADNI, uh, as an acronym, uh, is been going on now for six years, and we've learned mm-hmm. so much about the changes that happen in the brain as the person develops Alzheimer's disease.
0: Uh, I just want to share with those who are in the chat room. I just uh, pasted. Uh, I just posted um, the link for what. Um, for ADNI, and so I just posted that right in the chat room. It's ADNI, um, and I just put the link in the chat room, and I also just put in the chat room the link to the ADCS Facebook page. So uh, for those of you that are in the chat room, you can just click that link right now, and it will take you right to the Facebook page and the link. Um, Doctor, how long? what was the period of time that you studied the patients? Was it a duration of 10 years, 20 years, months?
1: ADNI is a massive study, and it's coordinated by multiple sites. It's actually run at uh, approximately 60 sites, uh, Mm -hmm. and there are uh, multiple investigators around the country that are involved in in coordinating this study. Mm -hmm. The study's been going on for about five years, and through the um, NIH, it's funded to continue on studying these participants for a few more years, and Mm -hmm. in fact, part of the new study that's been funded called the ADNI-GO study is mm-hmm. recruiting is recruiting participants who have the mildest memory complaints, only some forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to understand what is the risk of someone who has just very mild forgetfulness, what is the risk of them going on to develop Alzheimer's?
0: So and, quick question. Oh, please sure. forgive me. So based on your study, you're, you're tracking um, the, I guess the progress of if someone says, okay, I, I have mild forgetfulness, then they go through the study, what is the percentage that it will actually possibly lead to Alzheimer's? Or, well, with, or that's still being determined?
1: Well, so so uh, let me just give you some numbers. Okay. Uh, the average age that, that Alzheimer's disease becomes symptomatic is mm-hmm. age 72. That's the okay. average age it's diagnosed. And the disease takes about 14 years to progress.
0: Wow. In the, last,
1: in the last two years, the patient is usually in a nursing home and is unable to do the, the activities of taking care of themselves. So it's a very slow, progressive disease, and it usually starts out with memory difficulties. Wow. Now, what we're, what we're learning is uh, from the work of uh, Dr. Ron Peterson at the Mayo Clinic, is that there is, a, there is a phase of Alzheimer's disease before they actually develop the full dementia, and that phase is called the mild cognitive impairment syndrome. Mm-hmm. And this syndrome is basically the patient having a complaint that, oh, my, my memory's not so good. And when they have some testing, some cognitive testing, we find mm-hmm. that, in fact, their memory is worse than it should be. Really? Now these right. And these these individuals who are given the diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment, they have been followed out for about seven or eight years, and if a patient has mild cognitive impairment, they have a sixty percent chance of converting to Alzheimer's disease.
0: Can you repeat that percentage?
1: Sure. So if you if you have mild cognitive impairment mm-hmm. There is a 60% chance wow. of converting to Alzheimer's disease. As opposed to the normal population, if they are not given a diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment and they don't have that syndrome, then their chance of converting to Alzheimer's disease is about 2%. So it's, wow. a, it's a huge difference, and it tells us that being in that mild cognitive impairment phase is a big risk factor, much yes, like having very high LDL is a big risk factor for having a heart attack later.
0: So is there any way, okay, so so based on based on what you're telling me and based on um, my level of understanding at this moment, if the average age of diagnosis is about 72 and there's a 14-year um, stage where it's progressing, that means around 58 years old is when you start having memory deficiencies
1: uh, no, you the, could. so let me just clarify that the Please. average age that people are diagnosed is, is 72 and the mm-hmm. rate, the, the progression can take up to 14 years. Okay. Now that, that's, those are averages. And certainly there are people who travel through that course at a much quicker rate and others who are at a slower rate. Right. But, but, but prior to having the diagnosis made, the person may have this mild cognitive impairment syndrome. Wow. Syndrome. Right, and so based on that, if they
0: if they have that early diagnosis, there's a sixty percent chance that it will go into that it will lead to Alzheimer's. Where if if, it's, if they don't have that early diagnosis, there's only a two percent
1: chance. That's right, and what we're learning with the ADNI study is that with biomarkers such as MRI and and cerebrospinal fluids, that there may be a way to predict even earlier before they have. Mild cognitive impairment. Whether the, the person has an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. um, and this this new study that I mentioned, the ADNI Go study, mm-hmm. is studying a group of patients that are referred to as eMCI, which is early MCI, early mild cognitive impairment. So this is actually pushing the envelope even further back to the earliest, earliest stages of the disease, where it's the, in the mildest form. And we're trying to identify individuals at that stage because our hope is that medications would have the greatest effect at that point. Sort of like if you have someone who's had a heart attack, starting them on, a, on an anti-cholesterol medication after the heart attack is a little bit too late, really. Right, it's like what letting them, closing the you door to the horses them, left. Yeah, you want to start them on the medication 10 or 20 years before this process right. has even begun. And, and that's where the field is moving towards within Alzheimer's disease is to start interventions that are against this amyloid protein, which is thought to be the cause of Alzheimer's mm-hmm. at the earliest possible uh, stage.
0: So if we're looking at the EMCI, which is the Early Mild Cognitive Impairment Study, is are, are medications being developed to slow the progression, or is it just, okay, now we know?
1: Well, so let me just tell you a little bit about the medications that are currently out there. Um, Alzheimer's disease, as I mentioned, is thought to be due to a buildup of this amyloid in Mm -hmm. the brain. And as it builds up, it damages brain cells. And some of the cells that are damaged produce the various chemicals that make our brain function. Mm -hmm. Um, So the medications that are currently approved Uh, like Aricept and Exelon and so on, these medications boost the level of some of those chemicals, Mm -hmm. but they really don't directly affect the buildup of the amyloid. Now, the medications are good. They've been shown to have benefit in patients with Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. but our hope is to start patients on medications earlier where the drug is directly acting on the amyloid, and there are numerous drugs now that are in the last phase of clinical trials, so-called phase three, where they have passed basically the the safety phases and are now within the efficacy phase, which is does the drug have an effect on the progression of the disease? And there are numerous drugs. One of them is called IGIV, Mm -hmm. which is a uh, drug that's been around for about 20 years to treat other types of diseases, but we believe that this medication may also uh, help in Alzheimer's disease. And there's a large Phase three clinical trial called the GAP study, mm-hmm. uh, which is being conducted by the ADCS, uh, looking to see if we can actually treat patients and slow down the progression of the disease.
0: So what is how long will it take for that product, is for that medication to get to market? Is well, it another estimated 10 years,
1: uh, 12 years, or something like no, that? No. Um, so... Uh, a medication from from inception to approval uh, takes about eight years mm-hmm. uh, but by the time they get into the phase three portion they've come through the, the the great portion of the studies and they're probably within three to four years of being oh. approved if uh, they show a benefit and and that's a big if because there are a lot of drugs that have been tested and haven't shown a, a difference or an effect, but we're very excited because all the drugs that are being looked at now target amyloid. They're they're actually targeting what we believe to be the underlying cause of the disease.
0: I have. Uh, uh, I want to switch gears a little bit to to put a human face. On, on Alzheimer's, a friend of mine, and I, I actually spoke with her, um, I let her know that you were going to be on the show today, and we were going to have a, a real in-depth discussion about Alzheimer's, and unfortunately, her mom did transition about a year ago, but her mom was diagnosed with dementia, and she couldn't remember anything, she was forgetting where she put stuff, and they had to get a caregiver. What is the the... Face of this really look like for everyday people is it, it, can Alzheimer's care, or dementia care, be covered by insurance? Like what? What? What is the real human impact of Alzheimer's on regular families?
1: Um, it's tremendous. Yeah. Uh, there is a. There's a. You can imagine that during the course of the disease, the, the spouse, the patient's spouse, um, observes how the patient goes through the stages of literally losing their mind mm-hmm. and it's uh, really a tragedy when you see a spouse who says my my um, husband doesn't recognize me anymore mm-hmm. uh, first he started with some forgetfulness but but then he he began to not recognize me he became paranoid fearful uh... he doesn't take his medications which mm-hmm. certainly can lead to other problems Uh, Some patients become irritable, agitated, uh, and and the burden emotionally and physically can become tremendous.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, It can also be financially devastating, and certainly insurance uh, covers medications and treatment. Uh, Usually uh, caregivers are required in the later stages of the disease, and sometimes the patient is, is placed in a facility if the family can't manage them at home
0: yeah that's what that's why I said there's such a human um aspect and a human element to this because I watch and she's a, a pretty dear friend of my family's how she and her sister had to really uh redesign their finances to provide long term care for their mom right. and they were you know very middle class i would just say you know definitely not on the lower financial scale but which made it even more challenging because her mom, because of that they were her primary caregiver, she and her sister, they were not eligible for certain social services that may have availed themselves had they been in a lower um, financial, you know, economic status. And so they really had to pull together and shift and maneuver and, you know, adjust their work schedules. And her, uh, my dear friend is single And living in North Jersey, and is a corporate executive. But her sister lived in South Jersey, had a husband and family, and it was I just watched the painful strain on their on their family uh, to provide decent and adequate care, even though they, you know, making uh, taking into account their finances, and it was really really hard. And I just watched, and I said, this is really a sad situation that. There may not be such resources, and she just felt so helpless in caring for her mom and didn't want to leave her alone. And I just watched the human side of what dementia did to her, and she was relieved. Secretly, she was relieved when her mom uh, passed away because she said, Saida, I just can't take this anymore.
1: Yeah, it it is a devastating disease, and what's alarming is that 40%, Forty uh, percent, almost half of all individuals over the age of 85 have Alzheimer's disease. Really? So it is, uh, and do you know what the fastest segment of our population is? What? Those over the age of 85. So it is really? a, it is a, a big issue as the population ages, ages.
0: Yeah. and lives
1: longer. We're going to be facing this problem on a massive scale, and th- I think getting an early diagnosis. Um, will at least allow families to plan ahead years in advance so that they can adjust and prepare themselves at least until medications arrive that can uh, affect the course of this disease.
0: Well, I will share my grandmother. God bless her. I absolutely love my – she's 89 years old. And even to, to make this conversation more personal for me, we had to really struggle in providing care for her She's older, she was driving, and she'd drive herself to the grocery store, and slowly she would ask us the same thing three times. And we would get frustrated, like, Grandma, you just asked us that question. You, like, we didn't, we were uneducated. I, I'm saying that very candidly, my family, and we're pretty smart people. We were just uneducated, and we thought she was just repeating herself. And then she, she called me one day um, when I was at work and said, Saida, I, I got lost. I don't, she, she had finally made it home, and she said, I got lost driving today. And I'm like, huh? That, how is that possible? And now listening and then my studies and since then, I see they kind of fade in and out. Is that, is that a, an indicator that she's progressing towards <clears throat> dementia? Uh,
1: so you raise a very important point. Um, You know, memory loss has long been recognized to be a common accompaniment of aging. Um, We know that as we get older, we become more forgetful of words and names, and that's normal. Uh, It's when there's a threshold that's crossed that we become Mm. alarmed that there's something going on, that there's some disease process that's taking place. Now, Mm -hmm. the trick... For a neurologist who, who sees patients with, with memory disorders, mm-hmm. is that there are medications that people take that can make their memories worse than they really are. Really? Uh, sure, there are sedatives, for example, that patients may take that will impair their memory and make, make their memory a lot worse, uh, which may mimic, for example, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Or, or, for example, depression, uh, which yeah. is a very common condition in the elderly. Uh, depression can mimic some of the memory problems that we see in early Alzheimer's. So it's, it's very important to have the patient diagnosed uh, correctly. Thyroid disease wow. can certainly do that as well. But, but what you describe is the memory, the short-term memory problem that is concerning, would raise some red flags,
0: mm-hmm. would,
1: would, would have a physician go through the list of medications they're on, make sure that their sleep is good, make sure that they're not depressed, Go through a standard checklist, which is part of the guidelines that the uh, American Academy of Neurology has 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 published for for mm-hmm. physicians to follow in making the diagnosis. And and if everything else is ruled out, then we're left with the possibility that this may be uh, Alzheimer's. And as it as it progresses over time, that helps confirm whether or not this is Alzheimer's. But what what this ADNI Go trial is all about is perhaps there's a test that we could give, whether it's a right. blood test or, a, or an imaging test that would definitively confirm this is what it is so that we could start medications earlier.
0: Well, I, I will share, we're, you know, my dad and I we, uh, had a family meeting and how are we going to handle this and what are we going to do? And we were able to give my grandmother really good care. Um, she's 89 years old. She'll be 90. It's, you know next year but we were astute enough to really seek out immediate care and how do we how do we fix this or how do we adjust our personal lifestyle to accommodate my grandmother to keep her at home in her own home that she's lived in for years Um, but there are many many families that that, that that's not even a viable option and uh... So where can families uh, turn? Are are there organizations that that offer free information over the Internet? Um, Does your study provide resources and information to families? Where can they go if they
1: really need help? Well, there are a couple of resources. There are, in fact, many, many resources. One Good. resource is one resource is the Alzheimer's uh, Association. Uh, they're nationwide. They have Good. a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week hotline. Uh, that phone number I can give you is 800-272-3900. 3900. Zero zero? Uh, right. 800-272-3900. They have uh, caregiver uh resources not oh, only for families but also for uh caregivers. Um in addition, uh there is the um the ADCS, which is uh, has a wealth of information about resources as well as studies that are taking place uh if someone is interested in, in at least participating or hearing about them. Uh and that number is eight hundred four three eight.
0: 4380
1: 800 Right. I and just
0: put those in the chat room, so lovely. Everybody that's in the chat room, I just posted the phone number, so you can write right. them down.
1: Great. Right. The Alzheimer's Association uh, has message boards. Uh, it has links to uh, uh, CareFinder so that you can find someone in your own community that can help uh, uh, with caregiving. And also, they have a new uh, program, uh, that is um called trial match, where it actually takes uh, individuals based on the information that the family provides and tries to find the best clinical trial that may fit them uh, oh nice and we work very closely with uh, with them uh, in finding the best trial that a participant might want to participate in
0: well i i'm I'm so happy to have you doctor um Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to our guest, Dr. Michael Raffi, um, Ph.D., Associate Medical Director for Alzheimer's Disease with the Cooperative Study um, in California. So, doctor, do you have any final words for our listening audience today?
1: Uh, I, would, I would just say any families who are listening, uh, if you have concerns about your uh, family member and you're noticing memory changes, get them screened, get them tested. That's the best thing to do, to have information at hand, If they find that it's not Alzheimer's, you can breathe a sigh of relief, and if they find that it is, you can at least participate and get treatment started uh, as soon as possible.
0: Thank you so much, Doctor. I'm so appreciative that you took the time out of your busy schedule to explain um, Alzheimer's and dementia and memory loss to my listening audience. Thank you so much, and there's always an open door for you to return to Cybrown Live. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. You have, uh, please, if you can, you can download the show through iTunes, um, and it plays all day uh, on Cy Brown Live. You can download it to your MP3, your podcast. Very, very, very good information. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. I'll see you tomorrow at 12 noon. It's your girl, Cy Brown, checking in for... Cy Brown Live. Have a good one.